This is one night stand presented by Seat Geek. Use promo code UCF Problems for twenty dollars off your first order. What up, night fans? It's Wednesday, November twenty seventh. Happy USF Hate Week. Remember, never capitalize USF in any of your tweets. And to start it off right here, I'm going to give you a little history of why we hate USF. In 2004, their president tried to block our medical school, claiming it would be more effective to expand USF's than to build a new one in Orlando. 2008, USF took a ceremonial shovel dug up a scoop of turf at the bounce house. I have a picture of that. In 2009, when presented with an opportunity to continue our football series, mind you, at the time, we were 0-4 versus them, they declined, saying they didn't need to play us anymore because they thought they were better than us. We didn't play each other from 9 to 12. In 2011, when ESPN presented a new TV contract to the Big East that called for them to add TCU and UCF, their president, the same one that blocked the med school, led the charge to explore options other than UCF, which in the end actually destroyed the conference. See, TCU was actually committed to join the Big East, and they backed out. Boise also backed out. West Virginia went to the Big 12. Pitt and Syracuse went to the ACC. And the teams left helped make up what's now called the American Conference. So thank you, USF. It would still actually be a power six, if not for you guys. In 2013, UCF erased a 21-point deficit on the road to upset undefeated number 8 Louisville. Their head coach at the time was Charlie Strong. Sounds familiar. After the game, he said, We have to give Central Florida credit, but I still say the best football team lost that game. And finally, three years ago, 2016, we're down 10. The minute 44 left on the clock. We turn the ball over on downs. We have no timeouts left. Just a couple kneel downs for USF and the game's over. Instead, they run the ball and actually score another touchdown, which also covered the spread. Anyway, that's why we hate USF. Thank you for listening. On today's show, I'm going to recap an epic weekend in New Orleans, the city that never disappoints. We actually had two wins for the black and gold teams playing football last weekend. Also, we look ahead to our neighbors to the west. And of course, we have Money Moves Picks and Moves Mailbag. Speaking of, I'm here with Money Moo UCF wins a close one, 34-31 at Tulane behind another great performance from true freshman quarterback Dylan Gabriel through the air and on the ground. I like the last part of that sentence there, the on the ground. He, How many runs did he have? It seemed like every other play he was doing a slide, which isn't the prettiest, but it gets the job done. No, yeah, it was great. It's really cool to see Dylan, his progression throughout the year. You know, everyone everyone at first was like, oh, you know, they're telling him not to run. They don't want him to run. He doesn't know how to RPO. Well, maybe people just needed to take a step back and realize that, yeah, this kid is still a, a true freshman. And I couldn't be more impressed with the progress from week to week and the types of throws that he's making. Uh, the types of decisions that he's making, when to pull the ball, when not to pull the ball. Um, yeah, and, and he, he was knowing at, when to knowing when to slide. Definitely, and he was also he was our leading rusher this game. Actually, like you said, definitely awesome to see his progress. On top of him being our leading rusher, we didn't give up any sacks, so that's props to the O line because that had been um, 
that kind of been a weak spot for us these last few weeks, but I guess we got it together over the bye week. And, you know, overall, you said it was kind of close. Final score, again, was closer than the actual game was, 34-31. But really, at no point did the game ever feel out of hand. So it was the perfect... It was a perfect away game to go to because, like, it wasn't a blowout. We never got bored, but it was never – I was never worried. You know, the games where we're worried are – they're fun if we win, but we've had enough losses where I don't really like to flirt with the uh, the close game thing that much anymore. And this was the perfect mix between, I guess, the best of both those worlds. What did you think by watching it on TV? What were your takeaways? There was definitely more UCF fans than Tulane fans. Yeah, I uh, look like you guys had a uh, a lot of fun there. I wish I could have came. Thought it was really cool on TV. They kept showing the section, which I thought was the UCF section or maybe the band because it was completely full. Turns out it was an entire section. The Nate full Evans, of yeah. Nate Evans fans. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really that was really neat to see on TV. We looked good, you know. It was nice to see Marlon Williams really getting involved in the offense, too. He led the way for the receivers. Nine catches, 119 yards, and a touchdown. You know, there was some mistakes. I think a lot of it had to do with, and it was hard to tell, you know, watching on TV, was the wind. I think the wind played a huge factor. Their punter was a beast. I think they said he weighed like 260 or something. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. He was averaging like almost 55 yards a punt and because he had the wind with him. And I think Dylan was throwing against the wind and Osteen was punting against the wind for, it seemed like, most of the game. So I think that had a lot, that had a lot to do with, you know, maybe some of the, the Aaron throws and our punting average was down a little bit too. And, and the field position. Yeah, both of us had five punts. And Tulane had over 100 more yards, so they averaged 20 more yards per punt. Um, as far as the wind goes, you're right. That probably was definitely a factor. But, you know, one thing to think about, Tulane came out, they had the ball first drive and missed a field goal to end that drive. If they make that field goal, we're technically in overtime. Now, the game probably would have played out a little different, but it's just interesting to think that those three points could have possibly um, been a little more important. Although, like I said earlier, the game never really felt out of hand. But, you know, who knows? The whole game changes if they, you know, they start up up three to nothing. I totally agreed with all of the fourth down calls. Oh, yeah. Uh, we went for it. That had to have been a record, a season high. Six times we went for it. Got it actually got it four times. That's got to be the the most times we've ever gone for it on fourth, I think throughout the whole streak, even to the beginning of the streak. Going for it like twice is a lot on fourth down. Some games you don't have to at all. So I agree that's definitely got to be some kind of record. We'll have to get our uh, stats people to look that up. AKA yeah. Me and Speaking you. of that, what the heck was up with that kick? That's another thing. I can't remember the last time we gave up a kick return or a punt return, like ever. I don't remember ever doing that. Um, maybe the Owen, maybe the Owen twelve year. I think Pitt last year at home, possibly we gave up a punt return. Maybe that does ring a bell as like one of their only touchdowns. Yeah, because we're like praising the defense and we're like, look, 
seven of the points were on some punt return. The other seven were in garbage time with like 20 seconds left. So we pretty much shut them out. Yeah, I agree. I com- I like missed that play. We'd scored a touchdown and I was like going to get food or something. And the next thing I know, I actually had a decent amount of fans. But so the thing is, is they're pretty much their whole home sideline is club seats. So because it was raining and the weather wasn't that nice and there's free food and drinks in the club area where it's free wine and beer and free food and the food was really good. Most of the people that had club seats weren't in the club seats, so it probably looked a lot worse on TV. We definitely outnumbered them, that's for sure, but it wasn't as empty as it looked because their club area was two stories and everyone was in there, rightfully so. I mean, that's where my seats were and I didn't sit in, I have no idea where my actual seat was. We were inside the whole time. You know, the game was never close. Obviously, that touchdown at the end kind of hurt for anyone that happened to be gambling on the game. Um, but what did you say? Don't bet the spread last game or last last show. Sorry. So, yeah, that stunk. But you know what? That's one of those ones where it was like I wasn't even mad at the time because, you know, we won. We look good. Um, and I knew I shouldn't have bet on it, but I can't go all the way there and not bet. Uh, a couple other things, too. Anthony Roberson. So, Hescock got his, uh, or Hescock got injured, and Roberson took over at tight end, and we call his number on fourth and one, and he gets his first, not only his first ever touchdown, but his first ever reception. And if, if you know who this kid is, he puts in so much work giving back to the community. Really nice kid, really nice family, and if there's anyone that deserved to have that moment, it was definitely him, and that kind of stopped some of the momentum for Tulane at that point also. I mean, that was one of the key plays, I would say, in the game. Yeah, that was, I don't know whether to call it ballsy or lucky. <laughs> or stupid. I, I, I just <laughs> Stupid, I don't know. But you know what? That's football. Sometimes it, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, and was, and, that, uh, who, was that Mac that threw it to him? Yeah, it was. It was Daryl Mack. That was his passing touchdown. Also added a rushing touchdown. He actually got in the game a, a decent bit. And I like his role in the offense. It's a good change up. I know. You know I, it kind of slows down the offense if we really start to get going. But I think they usually wait until there's a break or maybe an injury or, or something like that to put him in. And I think he's, va- I mean, he's definitely valuable to the team. It's the same as Wimbush. I really wish we would see more Wimbush, maybe not as, you know, a throwing quarterback, but just, just getting him. him in the just somewhere in the game, man. Get, he's, get him, he's too talented. Get him, you know, two to three touches per game at least. I agree, but I mean there's so many mouths to feed. Um the one thing about using Matt, I feel like I personally have less praise for this coaching staff. I have more negatives usually for the play calling and for hype. Than I do for positives, but I think we're using just the right amount of Mac. He's a great changeup, and you know, earlier in the season I said if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. I take that back. I think it's great. Dylan's still, you know, getting the majority of the snaps, but Mac's a threat, especially on the goal line too. He's like having an extra running back. I mean, look, he had almost five rushing touchdowns in that Memphis game, and if it wasn't for him, I don't think we win that game. Not saying we wouldn't have won it with without McKenzie. Or with McKenzie, but you know what I mean. His presence and his ability to score on the goal line is just unmatched. Being like the size of Cam Newton, you know, six three, six four, whatever, and like uh, 
you know, 225, 230. So definitely good to see him. Did you see that one play actually where we had three quarterbacks in the game at once? We had, I think, Mac and Gabriel and Wimbush in the slot. I might be wrong. Do you have any idea? No, I didn't see that, but I was going to say it would be cool if, like, they had Mac in the shotgun and then, like, Bentavious to his left and Wimbush to his right. Like, it's a lot of beef, man. Um, <laughs> Two for, like, a fourth and one or a fourth and goal at the one, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I would love to see that. I, I asked Squints about it, and all he said was Wimbush was actually in the slot in that play. And I asked him, I said, did you see the three-quarterback play? So I'm going to assume – it was actually the three of them on the field at once, which is awesome. I mean, why not? <clears throat> Just nice to see us like run something other than the crap we ran at Cincinnati. Is really all. Yeah. Another thing that I noticed in the game was there was a ton of screenplays being called. A lot of screens, which was a huge positive. The only downside is is that we dropped a lot of them. Yeah, but it's nice and to see us mixing up the play call, which just pisses me off so much more about, like, why didn't we run this stuff in Cincinnati? I think it goes back to my theory that when we get down, Hypo, like, freezes up. And when we're ahead, we use all this creative stuff, which is great, but why not use it all the time? Because um, that screen pass to Killens was awesome. He had a big gain on that, I'm pretty sure, right? Maybe? Was it not Killens? Yes, there was. Maybe it was Otis? Yeah. I don't know, someone. Well, one of the... T- or- now the touchdown, Otis touchdown was a run. There was, that was an amazing that was an amazing play too. That downfield blocking, blocking by yes. Gabe and Marlin. Yep. That that's the kind of stuff that like got Traquan drafted so high as a downfield blocking as yep. a receiver. The, and the, the plays that don't show up in the box score, you know, the film plays, not the uh, the numerical tally number plays, you know. Exactly. The grit. You know, another thing that I saw was the lack of takeaways. There was zero turnovers by either team in the game. First that's, time in a long time. Very, weird. very strange. Yeah. Um, you know, so I started to look back, and uh, we have one takeaway in the last three games. What? One. Really? That's it. That's insane. In, 20, in 2017, so I look back, 2017, the perfect 13-0 year, we had 32 takeaways, and we were the number two team in the nation in takeaways right yeah 2018 we had 28 takeaways so a little bit less but we were still number six in the nation in takeaways and then this year we only have 13 that's good for 97th in the nation there's only 120 college teams damn so maybe your regression theory was right but it was double delayed so it's twice as bad now you know what i mean (laughs) i mean i told I can't remember when I said this, if it was last year or like the beginning of this year, but I always said it comes back, you know, to kind of average and takeaways are fifth. I would say 50% of them are luck. 50% are skill. You know, sometimes, you know, guy drops a ball or a pass is tipped and just falls into somebody's arms or something like that. Right. The other half are like punching the ball out or interceptions where the DBs like bait the quarterback, not where they just throw it up and we happen to be there. I agree. Exactly. I'd say it's 50, 50. I think, so I think we've finally like come to an agreement over this thing we've been arguing about since literally our, (laughs) our first podcast last year, ever our first one ever you were telling me how you thought the turnovers were going to mean we were going to regress. And then the whole year I'm like, Nope, Nope, Nope. I'm right. And now this whole year you've been right. And I think it's somewhere in the middle. 
50-50, you know, either the ball right. doesn't bounce your way or whatever, and the other half of them are because you're good. And now it's just evening out. So I'm glad we finally came to an agreement. Right. I don't think it's anything that we did wrong. I mean, you could take either side of it. You know, you could take the side of, you know, think about all the different things that have happened in the last three years, 17, 18, and now 19, you know, in 17, you look back and you think, wow, what if Mike Hughes didn't return that, that kickoff for a touchdown? Would, would we have beaten USF? If we didn't beat USF, we wouldn't have made it in the conference championship, which we wouldn't have made it into the Peach Bowl. And not only that, I mean, even after Mike Hughes, USF was driving and Richie Grant popped that ball out. They could have easily forced overtime. And then you're right. Even if we win that, the Memphis game, they had a chance to go up two scores late, I think, and they missed the field goal. We finally got lucky and not lucky, but, you know, we forced overtime. Um, And then, yeah, the Peach Bowl, too. I mean, you know. It's a uh, it's a butterfly effect, I guess. Yeah, we could go on and on, but I want to keep going on and on. Yeah. So what about if what about if Auburn, you know, Jared Stidham, the quarterback, didn't give panic up when Shaquem Gri- <laughs> when Shaquem Griffin came barreling down down on him, and you know, throw it right to Anton Collier? What if they score there? You know, they're going to go for two. You might as well. What do you got to lose at that point? Or just force I mean, overtime and possibly? I mean, who knows, man. Or you could even or if go- last year, you know, we were down seventeen nothing to Memphis in the conference championship. That hurt. Without um, Milton. Or how about SMU twenty seventeen? We're up seven points and I think it's fourth down and they're in our territory toward the end of the game. And I think one of their all time leading receivers drops a wide open pass and would have given them first down. They have momentum. They could have forced overtime and won that game too. So I think for every one of those comes every one of our losses this year, which each of our three losses could probably would have probably ended up play. different if one play didn't happen. So yeah, you know, guess it it all evens out. Hey, who the hell knows? But um seems like or we're definitely if, in the middle. You know, only half of those things that we just mentioned actually happened. You know, we'd be sitting here with three seasons in a row, probably nine and three or ten and two. If one and of those things happened, we would probably be nine and three or ten and two. Yeah. So But uh then you take then you take the other side and then you go, well, maybe, you know, if Pitt didn't score on the Pitt special, if Dylan didn't throw a pick six, if Cincy. we didn't melt down at the end at Tulsa, we'd be sitting at thirty seven and oh, number one team in the nation, I think. Uh, I don't think we'd be number one. I mean, look at the other teams that are. Look, you got LSU one. I don't think we'd be ahead of them. You got um, Ohio State two. I don't think we'd be ahead of them. I mean, I think we'd be in the top four. I don't know. But that's why it's called sports. Every good team isn't supposed to win every game. Sometimes bad teams lose, or sometimes bad teams beat. Yes, good the teams. bad teams lose. That's what USF. Does. <laughs> one thing you mentioned earlier when we were talking before recording, though, is that. If we had beat LSU in the Fiesta Bowl, would we be ranked higher than them at this point if we were both still undefeated? Something to think about. Something to think the about. The world will never know. Yeah, but uh, that's what makes it so much but fun. But anyway, I'm glad that everything that happened did happen. You know, it's hard to, to win every single game. and It's hard to win know, a single we... game, which Tulsa proved. Like, you got to right. bring your best. <laughs> 
Um, Every week. Yeah. All right. So let's t- uh, let me talk about a little bit about the whole trip to New Orleans, and then we can move on to I guess USF and whatever else is going on in the college football world, which is pretty much meaningless now that we're not <laughs> we're not in the conference championship conversation. Um. So the Friday night event that for the UCF alumni was fun. It was kind of like a clubby type feel, but nice and open and not too hard to get a drink. But I could see how some older alumni might not like it. I always try and do events at like sports bar type places, and this was kind of clubby-ish, like club slash touristy. But that was fun. Um, ran into the biggest UCF fan, Britt, and her mom, Jan. Always good to see them and a bunch of other alumni there. Um, Bourbon Street is, yeah, it's Bourbon Street. Um, very, very sketchy yet fun. Uh, I got a little history lesson while I was there. So the reason that rum is like the main ingredient of choice in drinks in New Orleans, this is interesting. So back during Prohibition, rum would come up through New Orleans, through the Mississippi River from the Caribbean, because that's where rum's from. So... Whenever someone was buying illegal alcohol, they always made them buy, say you bought one barrel of vodka, you have to buy two or three barrels of rum. And they were in New Orleans, so they got rid of it there. That's why the hurricane drink, the monsoon, all the ones that New Orleans is famous for all have rum because they always had all this extra rum. So cool little prohibition story I learned there. Um, Let me think what else. Oh, I got a football. Did you see that post, Moo? The football? I did. I was wondering, you know, if it was actually going to make it back to Florida with with you, but it turns out it did. So it's, It somehow did. Pretty so cool. I'm standing there, and it's – so it was actually raining all morning, and I was just, like, watching the pregame warm-ups, standing there in the bleachers. I got there, like, a couple hours early. There was no point in actually tailgating when you have unlimited food and drinks in the stadium. I'm sitting there playing on my phone like always. All of a sudden, I look up, and there's a ball, like, dropping from the sky. And I guess the punter was, like, punting, and he just shanked one or something. It, it bounced on the field and then came right into my arms. I was the only person there in the stands. So even if it didn't drop into my arms, I still could have got it, but I caught it. So I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I got a, I got a pretty good arm. I can throw a nice spiral. I was thinking, like, oh, maybe the guy, yeah, I'm going to look up, and there's going to be someone, like, waving their arms asking for the ball back. So, I, like, I look around. I look around. There's just no one. So I'm like, uh, I immediately go into like, you know, think fast mode. And I'm just like, I'm just going to walk back up to the club area. And someone asked me for the ball, I'll give it back. If not, then I got a souvenir and I got a souvenir. So that was, uh, that was pretty cool. Shout out to whoever kicked that for not asking for it back. Um, I guess real quick, other notes I have here. So the stadium at Tulane was kind of small, but it's like perfect for their fan base and it's actually really nice and they serve alcohol everywhere. They had really good food and the fans were awesome too. So I would say the overall experience was amazing. You know, the Tulane game, because they're in a different division, even though we're getting rid of divisions. Oh, speaking of, USF will now never, ever win the division because they don't exist anymore. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> someone tweeted me that the other day but Perfect. we only get to play at Tulane once every four years and it's a treat it's like a uh I don't know it's it's awesome you got to do it it's it's the best road trip I mean we had a bigger turnout for this game than we did Pitt 
And you know, I've been saying it all along. It's a nice treat once every once every four years. Oh, the Saints game was awesome too. Traquan and Latavius Murray scoring the first two touchdowns. I mean, you can't make anything up better than that. The same weekend as the as the two lane game. Uh yeah, overall good time, a lot of good food, a lot of good drinks, and I'm uh I'm still recovering, but I'm excited for this game on Friday. Do you want to start talking about that? Sure. Uh, so the line currently, last I checked, was UCF favored by 24.5, which seems pretty high considering we haven't really been a great against the spread team throughout this year. However, um, South Florida, wow. I mean, they are just horrible, man. Uh, their offense is like none I've ever seen before, dude. They're, they had more punts in the game against Memphis last week than they did completed passes. <laughs> That's like, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that before. And what was it, like six to eight it, or something? Uh, they only have five, they have five completed passes and I think nine punts. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's not good. Hashtag bad. No, you know their leading receiver on the season, Mitchell Wilcox, who cried in 2017 at the game. He had one catch for negative four yards, really helping his total there. Yeah, they did have nine. They did have nine punts. Keys to the game for me: their field goal kicking, which is probably going to be the only way they can score points. Two kickers are a combined fifty percent on the year, which is terrible. Even if, even for college, and um, the way that UCF needs to attack this defense is, I think, definitely on the ground. They're 116th in the nation in rush defense, which is just slightly better than Akron. So, so just run, 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 run. I mean, this needs to be yeah. Just throw a bomb. Well, the thing is, their pass defense is not very good either. No. So. <laughs> I mean, Brady White just threw all over them. They do have some talented uh, defensive backs. They have a decent number of picks on the year. They have a decent run game with UF transfer Jordan Cronkrite. However, he injured his shoulder um, in last week's game, or maybe it was the week before. I don't know. But they came out and said they'll be without him. That is their leading rusher by far. But they got uh, that little dude, Johnny Ford, even though he's like 5'9". He's really, he's pretty good, though. He ran, if I remember correctly, he ran for a decent amount on us last year. I'm going to look it up right now. He did, but he's been in a limited role this year. He's only had eight carries. Oh, what? Yeah. So maybe he's injured or he redshirted. I don't know. But huh. whatever sack of goons they're going to bring out there uh, – yeah, they yeah, suck. We're going to win. Their offense, the other thing is their offensive line is horrible. They've they've been sack, they've given up 43 sacks on what? the year. That's like 3 yeah. per game. And normally you have games where you have 0 because you play an FCS team. We've given up 22, and I feel like we've been sacked a lot this yeah. year. Yeah. So 43, Jesus. How about Nate Evans going eat? Yeah, Kalia Davis too, for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, not much else to talk about though in terms of USF. I mean, they just got blown out by Memphis. They don't. Right, so we're twenty-four and a half point favorites. 
Like, what do you think the money line is on that? Minus 800? Nah, it's probably way more than that. I was thinking like 1600 probably to 2000. I don't know. If it was minus 800, I'd probably put 8 grand on it. I'd rather bet the spread. I don't know. Obviously not bet that much, but I could just even though they're so bad, I could just see them They could like, come out high, this, dude. That's what I'm saying. I remember this in 2013, very similar situation. They were really bad and that was our Fiesta Bowl year and uh their offense was even worse. I feel like their offense was worse than I'm talking about right now. And we could have lost that game easily. Just barely won, yeah. So yep. I would not uh I would not be looking at betting the spread here. Uh, Even though we, I think we're going to crush them. We either like win by 35 or it's somehow a closed game, which I yeah. feel like we say that about every game, but it's true. It's true. Yeah. It's sad, but it's true. I don't know. At home, though. Come on. Eh. Eight o'clock. Eh. Sold out. Eh. I don't know. <laughs> um, all right. Let's, uh, let's talk about basketball. Switch gears here a little bit. Um, we Our last game was almost during the Tulane game. So uh, I'm going to have you kind of take this segment over. For well, now. it started at 2 o'clock, and I was very curious just to see what the crowd was like because it was at home. It was at 2 o'clock. Meanwhile, the Tulane game, it was kind of like midway through the third. The third had just started. Surprisingly, a decent amount of people there. Obviously, it wasn't full because everyone was watching the football game, but... Big props to anyone who who showed up and cheered on the team. And I got to say, it, it was a great game. I had it on the computer screen while I was watching football. And uh, it was a thrilling come-from-behind victory against the College of Charleston, 72-71. Colin Smith with the game-winning drive uh, there with the last few seconds of the game. Ended up getting fouled, making the two free throws. And uh, we're 3-1 and one under the year, so... Not too bad. I'll, I'll take it. And um, that's really about it. You know, I, I was ca- kind of only watching with one eye. I do know we were down 20 to 7 when it first started. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. And then yep. <laughs> every time I every time I kept looking over, I'm like, oh, we're only down 10. Oh, now we're only down 7. Oh, now we're only down 5. You know, they just kept chipping away. But that's awesome because I, give me a team to watch that doesn't give up, you know, I don't. I don't want a team that that you're down twenty to seven, and you know you just fall over, and now eh, whatever, we'll get them next time. Mail it in. It's early in the season. It's not conference play. The excuses can go on and on. And, and yes, we lost. We lost so much talent from last year. However, you know, just because you don't know the names necessarily on this team, um, you definitely will at least by next game. Because next game, prime time on Thanksgiving night at uh, 8.30 on ESPNU. Wake up from your food coma. (laughs) Against the University of Pennsylvania. So anyway. Is that Penn? Yeah, I mean. Are they called Penn? Penn. Okay. Penn, University of Pennsylvania, whatever. You know, they don't give up. And and they're an exciting team to watch. This isn't the team from last year, you know, where Terrell Allen takes 30 four of the 35 seconds to dribble it up the court and you know we just throw it in a taco they're running and gunning you know they show a lot of emotion uh, they're I just like a it. really fun team to watch and if you haven't been out to a game yet go to the game 
sometimes, you know, we will have uh, free ticket giveaways because I know me and Sean are both season ticket holders. Really great seats, by the way, right on the baseline uh, in the 100 section. You can feel the so, player's sweat drip on you, like uh, on a loose ball and stuff a lot of the time. We'll just get a little splash. So Almost. Yeah. Anyway, the next home game is Saturday, December 7th at noon against NJIT, which I believe is the New Jersey Institute of Technology. I, that's what I would have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, support this team. Basketball. They're fun to watch. And like you said, they're not last year's team. And they don't think they're last year's team. This is a whole new separate team. And they're just out there having fun, running and gunning. And it's been fun to watch so far. And we talked a little bit about this on the interview last week with Michael Donnell. But, uh... You know, this is a team they're they're kind of going to find themselves, but Johnny Dawkins has like completely revamped this offense for the skill set that we have, and it's not the Taco Fall offense. It's actually a lot more fun to watch. I mean, Taco aside, because he's kind of his own thing, you know, it's a more modernized, fun offense, and, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're putting it all out there. A couple really close come-from-behind wins so far. I'm excited for the rest of the season. You know, I, we also talked about about this in the interview, I think one of these games, whether it's Houston, whether it's Memphis, maybe Cincinnati, that we're underdogs, I think we're going to give them a really, really good game and, you know, uh, give a little upset for, for some people. So definitely going to be a fun season. Be sure to go to the game, support the team, and just, uh, you know, follow along uh, on this uh, on this season. And while you're thinking about it, and before ticket prices go up, you should probably use our SeatGeek code to take advantage of that $20 off your first order. We play at USF in Tampa on a Saturday at 4 o'clock. So that's definitely going to be one we'll be making the trip up for. We went to the game last year, even though it was on a Wednesday night and I had to work the next day. Still, you know, surprisingly, their stadium is kind of cool. Uh we got clubs. We got club seats. You know they sell beer. Do, do they sell beer at our basketball stadium? Yeah, I yeah. haven't been back. I haven't been honestly. I haven't been back to a game since uh, I was a student, so I don't really know. But um, uh, I think they do. The last time I was there, I was in the courtside seats, and there's a private lounge, so I was in that. But I think they sell beer to the general public. I don't see why they wouldn't. But okay. I don't know. Who knows. Well, anyway, yeah, USF Stadium, it's not too bad because uh, also it's a way quicker drive for me and Sean than to go to Orlando and we, you know, make a night out of it. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, well, cas- use our casino code. game casino. Absolutely. And then we'll use our Seeky code now because the tickets are pretty cheap. I think they're like 10 bucks. Oh, free. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So they're literally, a they're actually literally, they're literally free, free with the Seeky yeah. code. <laughs> Go to the game. So gr- grab a couple friends. Plus, it's always nice to you know talk trash with with our fellow. Uh, oh, they're not really fellow, but our, our rival, uh, ugly redhead stepchild sister yeah. to the west or whatever. Little little brother. No, it's always a good. Uh, it's always a good time, and that's where actually I discovered the Bulls peed ahead hashtag because peppered all over their stadium, and I'm like, wait a sec, did they not like realize what this could mean? And, yeah, it's been funny ever since. So go to the game. All right. 
It's time for our favorite segment, Money Moves Picks of the Week. Had a little bit of a editing error last week as we uh, didn't really have time to do picks for the week, so we accidentally put last week's picks on there. But that's okay. It's kind of cool for people to hear and listen, you know, once the game's already over. You know, instantly when I give the pick and you could say, oh, my God, how wrong is this guy? <laughs> how wrong were you last week? <laughs> I was one and two. Okay. Hey, you know what? That so wasn't terrible. We're open and transparent here on One Night Stand, though. But you know what? It's not It's not the end of the year. Not the end of the season. I'm 17 and 20 for the year. So one three in a week this week, and we're uh, – Back to even. Back to even. Plus, we got bowl season, too. We're just getting started here with this picks. Yeah, bowl season can definitely make or break you. Um, I did. I think I was like, I think I was 54% for bowl game last year. Anyway, I'll tally up everything from last year and this year uh, later on. So anyway. Our backup schools in tally. <laughs> <laughs> Three picks this week. I feel really good about two of them good about the other one but that's how money moves picks work three every week <laughs> so the first pick we're gonna go with oklahoma state a money move favorite plus 13 against oklahoma look the game is at oklahoma state i feel like oklahoma state always pulls off a big upset late in the year especially when they're at home you know i started thinking about this and how many times have you been like just laying in bed watching Sports Center like late at night and then you turn over to another channel and Oklahoma State's like rushing the field because they just beat, I don't know, like Baylor, Oklahoma. It seems to happen like every single year. So I think this is it. You know, Oklahoma, they have an outside shot at getting into the playoff, but Oklahoma State's just too much, man. They got they- I mean, they Oklahoma State. They almost beat Oklahoma last year. They only lost. They only lost by one point, and they had actually two other wins at home versus ranked teams while they were unranked, Boise State and West Virginia. So I, you're one hundred. You're on. Um, you're on. You're onto something with this. And that game versus Oklahoma last year was actually on the road. So that's what I'm saying. And yeah. it's not even. And I'm talking like. And this is this rivalry is- week, baby. Anything can happen. I'm talking like this is a pick 'em game, but we're getting plus thirteen. Like, yep. Come on, even if they lose, thirteen points. That's a lot. Chuba Hubbard, Tylon Wallace. Oh, Chuba! I'll that's take... that. That's is that that running back guy that's like getting in the Heisman talk now? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I saw some highlights of him. He's a beast. Chuba Hubbard. You know, this game is probably going to be like fifty-six forty-nine. Oklahoma might win. But, so maybe you know, take the yeah. over too. Plus thirteen. I didn't even look at the total. That's a oh, ton, that's a ton of points for rivalry. 60, 69 and a half. That's actually not that much. That's not that much at this, all for, for a Big game. Twelve game. Yeah. For this game. Yep. Hmm. All right. Could be interesting. Interesting. All right. What else do we got? Second game. We're gonna take, and this is the one that I, dude, I flip flopped this. I talk myself out of picks a lot, but I, I'm going. I'm sticking with my gut. We're taking Minnesota at home plus two and a half against Wisconsin. Look, the winner of this game goes to the Big Ten title game for the chance to be beaten down by Ohio State. I'm just kidding. <laughs> How lucky. Uh, 
Right. I feel like this is also the time of the year that you need to be fading Wisconsin. Look, every single year it happens. Wisconsin, they're like nine and zero or nine and one. Everyone's talking. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna do something. They're gonna get into the playoff, and they always lay a huge egg right at the end. And uh, I gotta tell you, Minnesota, they made me a believer a couple weeks ago after betting against them. Um, watching that Penn State game and kind of thinking of it, this is the third week in a row that Minnesota is in Money Moves pick. Correct. First I pick a, first first I picked against them, then I pick against them again. Now I'm going with them. Um, so their only loss was last week or a few weeks ago against Iowa, which I had Iowa. Um, you know, the, their home field is just it's too much, and I didn't know. I didn't even know where they played. I think they play. I, mean, in I don't think I'd ever see. I don't think I've ever seen their stadium before until I turn on that Penn State game, and I mean, it, it was awesome. Yeah. Again, Wisconsin on the road. You know, if they can lose to Illinois on the road, they can lose to Minnesota. So, give me Minnesota, especially for the extra points. Pat it on there. Give me Minnesota plus two and a half. Actually, if you probably like it, you should just go ahead and bet money, money line. line Plus one fifty money line move. That's why we call you that. Um, all right. Unless, what's, what's your unless third, it goes to three, which then take Minnesota. Yeah. What's your third pick? All right, the third and final pick. Actually, this could be the last pick for the regular season. Am I picking Army Navy? Oh yeah, it's one of the best games. It's one of the best games. Army Navy, just the take year. the I points. Like Always take the points. Yeah. So anyway, last pick. We're gonna take. Alabama minus three and a half against Auburn. This game is at Auburn. Alabama still, I think, has a really good shot at the playoff, even though they're not going to go to the, their own conference championship. Um, the drop-off from Tua Tagovailoa to their second-string quarterback, Mac Jones, is actually not that big. You know, I watched him play mostly in mop-up duty throughout the year. But uh, this kid's a star. And, I mean, just like the national championship a couple of years ago, Jalen Hurts, you know, they bench him for Tua, and everyone's going, oh, well, second string's in, you know. This game's pretty much over. But nope. at Alabama, I feel like the second string, they just get bigger and better, <laughs> like with every recruiting class. Yeah, I think one thing, too, is Tua was not – 100%. He was not moving around. He did not. I think they rushed him back in, and I don't know why he was in that last game up like 36 to nothing or whatever. Um, That goes on Nick Saban. That's that's just sad. You hate to see it, but uh, that's a whole other story. I agree. I, yeah, think, I, mean, I think Alabama's going to destroy Auburn. Auburn's just not that good. Yeah, Auburn a little overrated. Now, they are battle-tested. They played four top-10 teams. Ouch. But on the other hand, they've also played four top ten teams. So you got to think that they've ran through the gauntlet, and they're just tired at this point. Man. What you know, they're do, not. I know it's a rivalry game, but do they have anything left to play for besides the rivalry game? I mean, they can't make the playoff, right? I mean, no. I mean, they got an outside shot at like a New Year's Six Bowl, possibly. Uh, if not, they're probably going to be like in the Capital One Bowl or yeah. whatever they call. But Bama's whatever playing the one, for like, way more. Yeah, no, the Capital yeah. One Bowl for sure. So it's just not going to be enough. And three and a half, you know, Bama, 
Bama still has everything to play for. Yep, you know, they're more than likely they are going to be in the playoffs. You know, a lot of things could happen, but um, you know, they're probably only going to have one loss and minus three and a half. I got to go with Bama. Yep. All right, let's recap the picks real quick, and then we'll do Moose Mailbag. So this week we're taking Oklahoma State plus 13, Minnesota plus 2.5, and, and Alabama minus 3.5. Let's get, get that, that money. money. All right, last up we've got Moose Mailbag, a special USF Hate Week edition. So these might not even be questions. They might just be jokes. And we're going to go through the whole USF Hate Week hashtag and say the funny jokes. Or do we get any questions first? We got uh, Yeah. All right, we'll go. First one is from Nico K. Rico. In your opinion, was this season a disappointment? And what is your outlook for next year? Hmm. All right, so I'm going to say yes and no on this question. Um, It was a disappointment because... I think with this team and this roster, you know, I mean, the conference championships always got to be the goal for any program. Doesn't matter what conference you're in, that's got to be the that's got to be where the bar's set at. But there's so many good takeaways from this season, like you talked about before. I mean, we didn't know Dylan Gabriel was gonna be that good. Half of the good. Yeah. What if he isn't? What if he wasn't? That's what I'm saying. It could be. Now that would be a super disappointment. I mean, the fact that the future is so bright. We've got three more years with this kid. Um, you know, Bentavious was another bright spot. There's a lot of good things. So, yes and no. It was a disappointment in the fact that we didn't make the conference championship, but we've got our quarterback of the future. So, you know what? I'm going to go with no. This was not a disappointment. Another surprising thing I think about this season is the improvement in tackling. Yes. Oh, my and God. I that was so how, bad last year. I don't know how I didn't notice this until this past game that I watched, but I started thinking about last year and I'm like, dang, even against UConn, I can remember complaining about how many missed tackles yep. and that they actually ended up being big plays because of the missed tackles. Yep. I mean, this year, yeah, of course there's going to be missed tackles on every team, but I think the improvement from last year is incredible. And, not and a- you got to give it up to, you know, more experience on the defense and, Maybe Randy Shannon, a little bit of props to Randy. Yeah, and not only that, too. We're number one in the country in tackles for loss. So that goes that piggybacks right off of that. There's a lot of good takeaways. I mean, overall, we're not where we want to be. But at the same time, we could have maybe made the conference championship and Dylan could have stunk and we would have had Mac or... Winbush at quarterback and still got us to that conference championship, and I'd say we'd be sitting worse than we are now. You know, I, right. who knows? A, so, dis- a disappointing season is Nebraska. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Do you know? Take a look at them and look at us. That no, this the season was not a disappointment. Did we make every? Did we accomplish every goal that we set out to? You know, to conquer. No, but is it a disappointment? No, nah, not at all. This is sports. That's why you're a fan. You're going to lose games. It's inevitable. Every yep. team loses. Bama loses. I agree. And Every the, team loses. And the future is bright. And we didn't necessarily know that. We thought, well, first of all, coming into this season, we thought we might have squandered our best chance at ever making it a playoff run 
when KZ got hurt last year, which uh, shout out to him also, you know, the day of the two lane game was his one year anniversary. And, uh, you know, he's made it clear he wants to get back on the field. And that's, that's awesome. Obviously it's taken a lot longer, but at the same time, there's a 50% chance he couldn't even have his leg right now. So it's definitely good to see him still progressing into his rehab. Yeah, I don't know. What do you say? You know, the future looks bright. And after he got hurt, we didn't really know where we were going to be this season. And, you know, we're not losing that many seniors. I think, you know, we might lose Gabe Davis, Jordan Johnson, AK, and a small handful of other guys. But we're going to have the same kind of returning nucleus. And, uh, you know, I'm excited for this game. I'm excited for our bowl game, but I'm really excited for next year. Yeah, hey, by the way, we forgot to mention this. Friday is senior night, and we want to make sure that the stands are packed. For These seniors have put four freaking years uh, of their lives, you know, fighting for us um, out there on the field. I'll be most I'll be most excited to see Adrian Killens and Nate Evans out there. Uh, but to all the seniors, you know, this is they deserve to have the stands packed. These you guys know, cheering them on. These guys bought into Scott Frost. They bought into a new coach taking over an 0 and 12 program. Yeah, this is it, right? These are the this these are the, the first, first guys. These start AK was Frost's first recruit. Without these first couple commits, you know, they were the first dominoes kind of to fall. The rest of it might have never happened, but they bought in and they believed not just to coach Frost but to our school and they stayed through the coaching change. And like you said, they poured their heart and soul into this, and they're the reason we are where we are now. We probably wouldn't have a podcast if we didn't get these kids to buy in, because we would have never been that great, you know. Yeah, starting you want to talk 16. about the, you want to talk about the ultimate buy low. I mean, who wants to come to an zero and twelve team? I understand, you know, we got a new coach, and that was last year, and we've had you know a lot of success before, but to be able to believe in the coach and Danny white and the entire program. And it takes a lot, you know, to believe in yourself. Yeah. That you're going to come here and actually make a change, you know, to do a complete 180 from that. Oh, and 12 team to the yeah. 13 and Oh, to last year. It, it's, uh, it's incredible. So I think the senior thing starts at seven forty. So Get there a little early. Definitely get there a little early, man. I'm telling you, they yeah. deserve it. Show these guys how much you appreciate them because, you know, they've shown us how much they appreciate coming to our school and poured it all out for us over the last four years. All right, so we don't have any other questions. We could maybe go through the hashtag. I don't know if there's actually anything good that's readable that'll be funny, but okay, I'll, I'll start off with a couple. This is going to be like a verbal meme. 10-year challenge USF edition. You know how people posted two pictures? On the left, uh-huh. empty trophy case. On the right, empty trophy case. USF hate <laughs> week. <laughs> I mean, that is that still rings true, right? Like, they well, no. have not won a championship in anything. Uh, anything. Back, back-to-back Birmingham Bowl champs, which the trophy for that is some weird naked guy. Uh <laughs> Check right, my Twitter so, feed for all this. What do you that's got? The, the, uh, so the trophy case isn't totally empty, but at least, I mean, mostly empty. Yeah. So they, um, won, they won something. 
All right, this next one's from Sir Shelmo the Knight, USF fan at Panera. Hey, hey can I get a bowl of soup? Is a cup of soup okay? Uh, um, I guess. Uh, you guys don't have any bowls anymore? We do, but USF isn't bowl eligible this year. <laughs> Got him. Um, that was a knee slapper. <laughs> I think it was funnier right. on Twitter, but whatever. Right. Yeah, it was. <laughs> what else? <laughs> the other one, oh, in last year, the USF Bulls captains refusing to shake hands with the UCF captains at the coin toss. And it's just a picture of their captains with their hands behind their back. And Mackenzie making a very interesting face. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's pretty bad. Also, another good one here. Follow uh, at UCF Sports Info for this. It's a giant article written by some Tampa, yeah, the Tampa Bay Tribune back in 2008. And pretty much he was just talking about why it's not really a rivalry anymore and USF should never schedule us. It's very long. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, ooh, here's a good one from We Want Ducks. Uh, this is a video. So I'll describe it. The caption is premature jubilation. <laughs> and it's when, um, what was that guy's name? Quentin Flowers, Quentin Flowers ran a touchdown into our end zone and jerked off in the student section. <laughs> caption premature jubilation. What a piece of garbage. Yeah, he sucks. Uh, oh, got another one here. Leaked jersey combo for this weekend. It's the waste management dumpster. Uh, shout out to Citro Knight for that one. Hey, did you see uh, that little gif? I don't know if she made it or or what, but I, I it's a new one I haven't seen. It's M- MC Hammer can't touch this. And it's like five sec or five or six seconds of you can't touch this, and then they flash up the a bowl game, and then they flash up like the American Conference Championship trophy. Yep, yep I see, I see it right here. That's a good one. Uh, the phone background's always a good one, where it says like it's and then the time, and USF still sucks. And oh, Greg McRae is actually it. Ooh, I'm gonna tweet this right now. This is a good one. The uh, horns down. Yeah. What. Well, it says it's, and then your phone time pops up in the blank spot, and then it says and USF still sucks. By the way, this might be like our worst segment ever, just because yeah, we're just talking about. <laughs> no, no, I think it'll be funny. Look, it's the end of the show. People don't want to listen; they don't have to listen. But describing memes uh, might not be the best podcast material. Either way, who cares? You see any other good? Oh, here's a good one: the Tampa UCF alumni took the Orlando's hometown team and changed it to. Tampa's hometown team, too, with the uh, with the night logo on the flag, which is pretty cool. Oh, here's a good one from Wade, UCF. There are seven FBS teams in Florida. Six of them will play in bowl games. One has been eliminated from bowl eligibility. Very, very Ouch. well said by Wade. That Ouch. Gets, that gets a FIU, FAU. Ooh, that's that's pretty sad, man. Especially because they had, I mean, they had winnable games too. I don't, I don't understand. Like, they, what are they, four and seven? Yeah, they've just gotten worse every year under Charlie Strong. Uh, <laughs> imagine being a fan of any team and 
missing when you had Willie Taggart as your coach. Yeah. Because that's how they got to feel right now. I mean, they had their best years under Coach Taggart. All right. Anything else? Uh, I think that's it. Uh, You want to wrap it up? We will both be at the game. Friday. I have to work Friday, but since it's at 8 o'clock, I'll be able to, to drive up there. I don't know how much tailgating I'll be able to do, but. We will be there. Find us for a picture. Um, one other tidbit, too. This was uh, reported by Brandon Helwig. Follow him at UCF Sports if you don't already. He said uh, Jacob Harris, who's supposed to be a fifth-year senior, could actually return for 2020 under the same kind of rule that let Kalubi Ali come back for his sixth year. So that's pretty big news because we are kind of thin at tight end. Um, so the big boy, oh, I guess he's a receiver, but whatever. We could still use him regardless. Jake Harris could be coming back. Um, oh, that would be massive. That would be like DG Heisman talk with that receiver core of Trey Nixon, Marlon. And Harris, yeah. Not too Harris. much of a drop-off from Davis, if that's true. If not, one of the younger guys would have to step it up. Um, No, definitely good news. Um, We're black to the game because it's a blackout. Um, a lot of black. And make sure you download the UCF app. There's going to be a really cool uh, night lights thing. I did a demo of it. You don't need the phone to be... You game. don't need the phone to have Wi-Fi or cell data either, since that's horrible in the stadium. It all works off of what music is playing. Oh. So it's going to... Yeah, so all the lights are going to be in unison apparently when zombie nation comes on and it'll look really cool if everyone actually does it. All right. Well, we'll start the movement then do it. Get the app, be there. We're black. Yeah. Everyone have a great Thanksgiving, by the way, you know, eat a lot of food, enjoy time with your family. If you don't get to be with your family, I don't either. So I feel for you. Um, I understand that, but you know what? Uh, we've got thousands and thousands of people in our family from night nation. Don't forget to watch the basketball game. For some of you, this could be the first one you're watching. On ESPNU, this is actually on the second game of the year that we've been playing on national TV. ESPN3, I know not everybody gets. So ESPNU should be a good game against Penn on Thanksgiving night. You're not doing anything anyway. So watch the game. Uh, it's at 8.30. On Thanksgiving night, right? Yep. Is that at home? No, it's in, like, California, it's, right? Yeah, it's in Anaheim, California. So, kind of feel for the basketball team having to have Thanksgiving, you know, so far away from from oh. Florida. But, eh, you know, oh well. it is what it is. And Part of being an athlete, but we still love you guys. So, thank you for uh, giving up your holidays and stuff to uh, to play basketball and represent our school. Um, you got anything else? Nope. That's okay. it. Hope to see everyone on Friday. Yeah, love Bye. you guys. See you Friday. Go Knights. Charge on.